I started my, my, my spiritual life with this book right here and the Bible. Uh, this one is called Signpost on the Road to Success. My original is at my home. I always keep my original books, but I generally wear them out. This one got wet somewhere. I actually taught this book in an eighth grade class in our Christian school in Tulsa back in the 80s. And I just love this book. But I put one chapter of this book in, um, and I want to read this one little, it's very short, but... Um, if you're going to be anything in God, you have to learn to read. No, no. You have to love to read. If all you're going to do is look at videos and think you're going to be somebody, forget it. It will not work. So, um, oh no, I got the wrong place. Here we are. Uh, this book, uh, I actually took this chapter of this book. It's called Develop Your Resources. And I put it on a three by five index card. Uh, and wrote as small as I could, and then I didn't need. These are just reading glasses, by the way. And and uh, you know, it's, it's you know down here I can see this, and I can see you real well. So anyway, but and but I would put it right by my desk, and I put a stick pin in the wall, click, and I read it every day. And here's what I read: Most of us are like wild land, undeveloped. We show signs of real wealth, but. Uh, it is lying underneath the roots and stumps and refuse that need to be cleared away to make the soil usable. Here's a voice with marvelous timber, no training. They ride across it unusable, undeveloped. Here's a face with a smile that is wrapped up in it, a fortune. The mind back of it is untrained, unfit, unready. We ride across it unavailable. What we need is hard work, not work on impulse, but on principle. We need to drive ourselves until we've developed the rich resources within us. The time to do it is now. Begin today to clean up the rich bottomland in your nature and get it into production at once. Bottomland is uh, land that has not been developed and has trees on it. And the, far the farmer needs to cut the trees, stump it, and then make it to where it will grow crops. So again, the time to do it is now. Uh, make everything swing into line now into that one great objective of your life. Determine your future, settle what you're going to do, and then make every day pay tribute. Now, there's a person with a life vision. I got a question for you. Do you have a life vision? Now, we talk about visions for our job, our business, our whatever. Do you have a life vision for you? Jesus has given you a life vision for you and it's to become like him and burn so brightly other people see him and you and want him, right? Anyway, uh, determine your future, settle what you're going to do, then make every day pay tribute. Form habits of study, habits of industry. Learn to save the moments the hours will take care of themselves. Form the habit of concentration, downright hard thinking. Drive your mind. And this is tough stuff. Listen to it. You become an absolute slave driver over your own faculties. They are your slaves, your servants. Make them work. Make them study. Make them develop. Kill laziness and that droning habit of dreaming. Transform it into vital energy. Set the dynamo of tremendous purpose loose inside of you. Indecision and wastefulness and, abil uh, and of ability and time must be destroyed. Fight for time. It's the most valuable asset you have. Cut every corner. Save every moment. Be exact with yourself. Put yourself on a schedule. Make yourself do your best. Wasting time is wasting ability. It's wasting the thing that makes you worthwhile. Learn to use it. Make your time your wealth. Make moments. Pay dividends. Carve out of every day that which spells 
success for tomorrow. Make yourself worthwhile. Make people want you. Make yourself so attractive, so vitally attractive, so valuable that men will hunt after you. Make opportunities where no opportunities ever existed before. Make yourself ready for the opportunity. When I read that, uh, when I was young, I was, uh, I was 18, 19, and uh, I was uh, so green, so untrained, so unready for life, uh, so unsure of myself, uh, so undisciplined, uh, so not ready for the moment, um, so ill-prepared for God to do anything in my life. So unsure that, that anything would even work out right. But you know what? I read that every single day. And I said, God, you have got to help me do that. I don't, it seems like I don't have it in me. But if you'll cry out to God and you want him, I promise you, if you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. Did you hear me? Anyway, that was free. Uh, but what I want to talk about tonight, last Wednesday, I've been talking about enhancing your personal time with God. And last Wednesday, I talked about four principles to boost a desire for a strong devotional time with God. And those four principles are frequent contact develops closeness. The more frequently you're with somebody, the deeper the conversation goes. Secondly, spiritual strength must be renewed daily. You can't live on yesterday's strength, just like food. If you have a physical job, you have to eat food today to have the calories and the and the carbohydrates and such to fuel you in what you're doing today, not yesterday. Number three, time with God creates spiritual power. And then number four, uh, make time with Jesus the first priority of your day. And that seems to be a th theme both through Old and New Testaments uh, with the men and women of God who impacted their world for Jesus. And then throughout the church age, the past 2,000 years uh, uh, is the history of people who, who set aside the early moments of time during the day to be with God. And God, in those moments that they tithed to him, he transformed their lives. Tonight, real practically, I want to give you four practical suggestions for personal Bible reading and devotional time with God. And I want to bounce off of Philip's translation, 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Say it with me. Take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. Now, you know, you can read a lot into that. And then it says bodily fitness has a certain value. But spiritual fitness is essential both for the present life and the life to come. Uh, take time and trouble. It's, it's not uh, convenient to develop a relationship with somebody. You, you got to give of yourself. You know, as soon as I'll be married this year, I can't even believe it. 45 years. We didn't endure 45. She didn't endure 45 years of me. By talking to me once a week. And, and I didn't enjoy 45 years with her, uh, except we talk every day and we, we commune together, right? So same way with the Lord. Uh, it takes time. And it's not always convenient to do the right thing. But I have found in all the years of my life, if you do, if you live by principle, not by feeling. If you live by what you know is right, even when you don't feel like doing it, uh, it eventually things begin to turn and change. How many hear me? So uh, let me also say, so take time and trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. I, I want to start this off by saying this. Um, if you don't like to read, you need now to develop the appetite for reading. 
If you're not a reader, you'll never grow spiritually. And most people, the stats are not good. Most people go to school, high school, various levels of college, and et cetera, et cetera. And then a lot of people do this once they finish the study mode of life in the early years. They just, you know, keep books pretty much shut. You can't live on shut books. And you can't live on yesterday's knowledge and information. A lot of stuff they teach us in college is unusable material. I'm a pragmatic person. I like what works, right? So if you don't like to read, you're not going to develop spiritually. That's the way it is. So anybody that develops spiritually has to learn to be a reader. Um, the Internet age, I'm going to read some of my notes here. The Internet age seem to, seems to have affected many people's ability to concentrate. How many get that? You know, some of us are old enough to remember no Internet no cell phones, a hard phone. You put a quarter in a, in a pay phone somewhere if you want to talk to somebody if you're on the road. Otherwise, you're on your own, friend. You know, and uh, the Internet has uh, messed up. It's, it's made life convenient, too convenient, and lazied us up in a lot of ways. How many hear what I said? And, uh, boy, there's this video stuff. Now, I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's dumbing us down, almost like there's a supernatural scheme behind, not uh, or uh, in moving us to a place uh, where we don't think very deeply. Somebody else does all of our thinking for us, and we're occupying our time with things that don't really help and change us. How many hear what I'm saying? The younger generation, man, they need to wake up in a big way because uh, they're losing ground big time. They're not reading. So my advocacy here is, and when I, was, um, I came to Jesus, I was almost 18. I didn't read but when I came to Jesus, I mean, there was something in me. I need to start reading again. And I started reading and I bought books. I bought books. I read my Bible. I read my Bible. I read my Bible. I read my books. And I learned to have an appetite for reading. So you say, well, pastor, I'm just not a reader. I'm a slow reader. I got to read the same. I got to read the same sentence three times for I hear all kinds of things from people. There's no excuse for not reading. And if you'll say, God, help me. You say, well, I'm dyslexic. God will heal you with dyslexia. Let me lay my bony hand on you. I believe God will minister to you. But bottom line, if you want to learn, if you want to grow, you got to read. There is no other way. How many hear me? If you're going to be in ministry to any capacity, if you're going to lead a Bible study, if you're going to be in ministry in any way, if you're going to help somebody else, you have got to learn to be a reader. Uh, because you won't grow without it. That's just the way it is. So um, a lot of people have replaced reading with watching, right? So don't fall for the trap. It's a trap. And uh, so, so I want to talk about tonight reading. I want to talk about how to read through the Bible. The Bible's a challenging book. I mean, it's 66 books, uh, thousands of uh, sentences and lots of words and uh, lots of chapters and and it's not even written to our culture and see so, so how did uh, a lot of it just zip goes right over our head said so there's got to be a design to learn the book that God did inspire the whole Bible all 66 books and it will tr transform your life if you get that inspired word on the inside of you, right? So I want to talk tonight about how to, how to do that. They're just four simple principles. So once you determine the last principle of last week was uh, set aside some early morning time. I talked to you about how God dealt with me to um, 
divide my time up and spend the first hours of my day with him. I had to start there very slowly. But once you, once you do that, once you determine you've got a portion of time to spend with the Lord, break it in half and you have half reading and half praying. I won't even get to, I don't have time to get to the praying today. We'll do that another lesson. Today, I want to talk about the reading portion of your time with God. So all I want you to remember is if you're going to have a time with the Lord, you need to divide it up. In my head, my time with Jesus is divided up. I got read time, I got pray time. And usually I, I've tried it both ways, a uh, process of, of elimination. I have tried to pray first and then read and then I've tried to read first and then pray and here's what I've come up with and if you attend any of the prayer meetings that I lead I generally lead three prayer meetings a week besides everything else I do and I always start by reading something why if you'll wake your spirit up before you pray you'll pray better and you'll pray more efficiently and effectively and with a with a better uh, take on faith do you hear what I'm saying? So the word fuels our spiritual life. Again, man won't live by bread alone, Jesus said. So I read first. I usually get up in the morning. I read, drink a cup of coffee while I'm reading. And then once I've finished my reading portion, which we'll dig into right now, then I pray. So let's talk about the reading portion. There are four simple points I think you can grasp them quite easily. I do encourage you to go online and look at my notes while I'm reading them because there's a lot of explanation to what I've generally written down here. And I've got some of these books as props, and I'll talk about it. The first, uh, uh, the first point in, in having a really good uh, devotional time with the Lord in your reading portion is, number one, start slowly. Most people try to do, can you bring me my water? Thank you, brother. Uh, most people try to, to do too much too quickly. Uh, and the thing that comes to my mind in 1977, my first Bible school experience, all of us Bible school students read about Charles Finney and John Wesley and these guys of yesteryear. And many of them would wake up in the wee hours of the morning and pray for like four hours. We'd read that in our textbooks and say, man, we gonna, I'm going to be a man of God. I'm going to be a man of God like, like John Wesley, Charles Finney. I'm going to get up and pray. And, you know, we got up to pray early and, and five minutes later we're drooling on the we're drooling on the on the chair we're kneeling down at you know it just didn't work because we tried to do too much too quickly so start slowly I said this for years I read this back in the early 80s and psychologists say this still today 21 to 28 days three to four weeks begins it doesn't do it it begins everybody say begins 21 to 28 days, three or four weeks to four weeks begins the formation of a habit. And a habit is something you do without thinking. It comes natural to you. So, see, I've taken that principle, and uh, now in this stage of life, I have decided years ago, I put into today what I want tomorrow to be. No kidding. So, so that means there are principles I live by, and there are certain things. And I know if I, I've got something I want to become habit, I just need to do it for three to four weeks. Even if I miss a day or two somewhere because of an emergency or I was just slack one day, I don't throw in the towel. I just get up the next day and do it. And I have found, I could talk, talk to the various arenas of life that I have found that to be true. There's so many habitual things now that are kicking in that I've been doing for years because, again, what I want tomorrow, I want to be today. If I'm going to be sweet tomorrow, I need to be sweet today. 
If I'm going to have a relationship with Susan, I need to have it today. If I want it tomorrow, if I want a close time with God, I need to have it today. If I want it tomorrow, have it today. If I want to be healthy, I sow the seeds of health today for tomorrow, right? Yada, yada, yada. You get it. So um, when God first dealt with me about getting up in the morning and spending a time reading and praying, uh, the first thing that just came, often when God speaks to you, you got to understand, he'll use your life stuff to speak to you. And many times it's not words, it's, it's just images that come to your mind or things you begin to think about. And I began to think when God began to deal with me and said, Mitch, uh, I want you to put me first in your day and I'm not a morning person. He showed me, first thing he showed me was my tennis shoes. And, and, the, and the pants I wore when I was jogging and the shirt I put on. And my, I just kept saying, I said, what, what, what you say? And say, remember? And then I just knew, you remember what happened when, when I dealt with you and he dealt with me the previous year about jogging, and I've told you about that, and, uh, and exercising the rest of, rest of my life. And that's, um, wow, you know, that's, uh, that's 41 years ago when he spoke to me to do that. That's, that's amazing. And I've exercised all my life because he spoke to me. But the, when I did that, I started that incrementally. I couldn't even jog one mile without getting the stitch in, in my side. I told you about that last week. So an uh, eighth of a mile, a quarter of a mile, a half a mile, three quarters of a mile, a mile. Finally got all the way up to five miles, but I did it incrementally over a period of time. And when God spoke to me to have a time with him, he said, don't, don't try to do a lot quickly. Do it a little. Little, poquito, small, little. And so I honestly started getting up five minutes early. I usually get up, I used to get up at six and uh, shower, get something to eat, throw some coffee in a cup and run down the road to, you know, be, a, be where I worked and uh, wherever I did work. And, uh, but that was my, but he said, get up early. So I started getting up five minutes early based on what I did for jogging. I started jogging an eighth of a mile, a quarter of a mile, a half a mile, three quarters of a mile, got up to five miles. So I said, I can do that. So I started getting up five minutes early. That means I used to go to bed at 11 o'clock. I went to bed at 10.55. If you're going to get up early, got to go to bed early. And so I said, I'm going to bed. So I went to bed five minutes. And then that turned in, I did that. And I spent two and a half minutes reading. I'm not making this up. Two and a half minutes praying. You know, you're not going to hang the moon in the sky reading for two and a half minutes, but you are setting a pattern. And you know what happened? I did that. I don't even remember how long, but then it got to where that's not satisfying. So I went to, I'm going to get up 10 minutes early. So I set the clock, 10.50. And I got up at 5.50, right? And so that wasn't satisfying after a period of time. I don't even know how long, maybe a week, maybe more. It's like, that ain't enough. So it's 15 minutes. I went to bed 15 minutes early, 20 minutes, 25, 30, 45, then an hour. And that probably took a few, a couple of months. Finally got up to where I was actually going to bed at 10 instead of 11 and getting up at, at 5 instead of 6. And then it ended up, I was getting up at 4.30 and I did that. I've been doing that now. Uh, now I get up somewhere around 5, 5.30 because we've changed our hours here uh, but nonetheless, the idea of early rising, and I generally spend two, two and a half hours with the Lord every morning. It's not hard to do. It's something I look forward to. See, it became a habit. So don't take what I say and try to, well, I'm going to do two hours. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll fall on your face. Start small. Start with five minutes, ten minutes. You get the idea? But if you have that as a goal, then, then you'll work that habit pattern into your life. And y'all, it's one of, I think it is the best habit that I have created that the Lord helped me to create in my life is spending time with the Lord. Um, it's not something I have to do. I want to say this to please God. It's something I want to do because I want to spend time. And I mentioned last week, there was a day 
you know, it was several months into this. I, I remember the day, and I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning, and um, Susan didn't, and I did not have children yet. And I, we lived uh, fairly close to where I worked. And, uh, but I would get up at 4.30, and then I would drive to the church I worked at, and they had a green room behind the stage where the guest speakers would stay until they come on stage. I found that green room. There was a desk there, and I didn't have an office at the time. I was a janitor in a church. And I found that green room, and I'd go in there with my books and my Bible, and I'd sit my tail in that chair and just read. And, y'all, it, it changed my world. Here it is. Y'all, it's, it's 40 years later, and it's like, God, wow, look, look what that did. If I hadn't if I hadn't taken the chance to create the habit, I wouldn't be here. Does that make sense? So, so that's the first point. It starts slow. Second point is discipline yourself to be awake and alert. Now you got to work on that. I'm, I've never been a morning person. I was always drowsy in the morning. You know, didn't like to talk in the morning and uh, still don't talk, like to talk a whole lot. I'll go up and read, but um, you know, anyway. Um, so how do you discipline yourself to stay alert if you're not alert in the morning? Several things I did. Stand up and read. Uh, stand up and walk around. For me, I just stood up and walked around to read because if I sat down, I'd get groggy and find myself falling asleep because I'm trying to create a habit and my body just wants to sleep, right? So that's what I did. Um, one uh, minister, Jerry Savelle, said years ago, back in the 80s, he said when he first started disciplining his body to spend time with God, he, he had such a hard time falling asleep when he got up to spend time with God. He actually went in his bathroom and balanced on his, on his bathtub, and read his Bible balancing on the side of his bathtub. Yeah. Because if you go to sleep, you're going to fall in. Ouch. Hurts, right? So anyway, I always thought about that. For me, I just walk back and forth. And then another thing you can do is read out loud. If you read out loud, it's hard to get, go to sleep. I mean, I guess you could go and just kind of, you know, fade into oblivion. But read out loud. Here's what I found out. You can eventually discipline your body to stay awake. So years ago, it was really hard for me to stay awake, concentrate. So I read out loud. I walked back and forth while I read. And I also walked back and forth while I prayed. Now, all these years later, see, your body... Your body will, is like a dog. You can train your body to do what you want. It'll do the tricks you teach it. So I taught my body the trick of sitting my tail in the chair in the morning and reading when I don't feel like reading and without going to sleep. And now I have no I don't I don't go to sleep. I stay awake. I read. And my body knows I'm not going to let it do anything else but stay awake. And, and the praying's the same way. Now I can kneel and pray, whereas before I had to walk to pray. Now I can kneel to pray and be just as effective, and I won't go to sleep. So your body will do what you tell it to do. Discipline yourself to be awake and alert. Number three, and this is really important. If you're going to have a good time with the Lord, uh, find a, a Bible reading plan. Now why? Uh, because goals create motivation. You know, according to what kind of jobs, some jobs, you know, you put this widget in this thing and then, oh, and you put it over here in a box and then you put that, you know, that's a mundane job. Or, but if you've got a job where you're leading a group of people or you've got a plan, strategize, maybe I'm looking at a teacher here, or you've got another job where you've got to lead and guide and direct, you've got to have organized plans if you're going to succeed and do anything, Right. 
And what do plans do? What, does, what do goals do? They aid motivation. So goals create motivation. To put that into your spiritual life, spiritual goals will motivate you spiritually, just like natural goals naturate, uh, motivate you naturally. So again, set spiritual goals. The Bible's a big book. I'm reading my notes here. And you need a plan. What? Listen, a plan to read it with interest. Because look, you can, and this is my Dake's Annotated Reference Bible. It's got it's got four columns each page. That's a whole lot of stuff right there. And, uh, you know, and then you start with Genesis and go all the way through this big, thick book. And uh, again, a lot of that goes over your head until you learn how to do it and, and make yourself interested in it. So there's a lot of 365-day Bible reading plans these days. You can find them online, all kinds of places. Do we have one on our website? I think we talked about putting one on. They're just everywhere now. Uh, years ago, when I first went to Kenneth Hagin School, Rama, back in the, uh, 1980, uh, they had what they called, and it was, I think it was from um, Washington State, a ministry there, and it was called the Victory Bible Reading Plan. And they just listed the whole year out, uh, January through December, and had checkoff marks where you check off the day, each day of each month as you read your Bible and check off that you did it, you know. And then, but the cool thing about it was you read the Old Testament in chronological order according to sequence of events, not necessarily according to the books. And then every day you read a psalm or a proverb, and then every day you read from the New Testament. So it balanced out your reading. And I started, I started doing what I'm telling you with that Victory Bible Reading Plan book. And, uh, and uh, for many years now, I've still used that same pattern every day. I, I, when I came to the Lord, I never wanted to fall into a spiritual ditch. Some people, they got one subject they like, and that's all they want to talk about. I am not that way. I want the whole counsel of God. Don't you? Maybe that's because God called me to be a pastor, and I have to live a balanced life. I can't, I can't preach my pet stuff. I've got to preach it all, whether you like it or whether I like it. I've got to go there. And so in my reading, I've always thought, I don't want to get in the ditch. I want to stay in the middle of the road where I can see everything really well. So, and here's what's helped me. I mean, it blessed me so much. I read Old Testament in the morning, uh, at least a couple of chapters or whatever, Old Testament, and, uh, and I'll talk to you about how I do that. New, uh, psalm or a proverb. Now, the psalm, you got 150 psalms. So I may read, according to how long the psalm is, I might read one psalm. So if it's really long, like 70 you know, verses, or, or, or I might read two or three if they're short. I just, because I want to read through the psalms, you know, fairly quickly. And then Proverbs is 31. So generally a 31-day month, you can read Proverbs in a month. So I either read a psalm or a proverb every morning. And see, that balances me out, right? It's just so good. And then I read the New Testament. For the New Testament, I read, um, I usually read a gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the book of Acts, which is the historical record of the early church and its founding. And then the epistles, which are the letters written to the churches. Uh, and that goes all the way from uh, what Galatians to Jude. And then the book of Revelation, and that's kind of the wrap-up book. And it, it contains information to understand it. You've got to understand both Old and New Testament, how God de dealt with both groups of people, because that's the culmination of our, our walk with God. So I try to read that every, every month. And so I go through the epistles, a gospel, the book of Acts, the Revelation, once a month. And that's in my daily morning reading so uh, and and that pattern I've done that for now four decades 
And, and so I don't know how many times I've read through. I've read through the Bible a bunch of times. I'm not trying to get a star on my head like I did when I was a little boy in the Sunday school class. I'm just wanting to keep my heart right with God. And here's the point. We have a leaking problem. Did you know that? You can read it and not practice it. That's, we, all are, we all are capable of doing, capable of doing that, right? So I'm saying, Lord, i got to practice this stuff. And, you know, once you read it, read it, read it, read it, it starts kind of sticking on you. And then the Holy Spirit has a way of reminding you of it. So these things really work. So have, again, a goal for Bible reading. If you don't have a goal, don't, don't have. Uh, when I first started with Jesus, I said, what am I reading today? Howbeit, I will not rend away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for David, my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. Don't read that way, and because you'll be unmotivated. Again, if you have a goal, goals create motivation, and that's the whole reason to have it. Number four, I'm going to spend some time on this one until we conclude, uh, include variety in your reading. This is really important. Um, in fact, I'll go ahead and use this quote. J. Oswald Sanders is a wonderful man of God. Uh, in fact, I've got two of my favorite little books here. This one, you, they changed the um, title of this one. I bought this one in 1990, and this is one of, one of my fave books, uh, Shoe Leather Commitment. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. That is a good book. Uh, Guidelines for Discipleship. Then here's another one by him, uh, uh, Enjoying Intimacy with God. And I got the five circles of intimacy I mentioned, uh, the multitude, the 70, the 12, the three, the one. I got it from this book right here. He's got a chapter, Circles of Intimacy. He talked about Old Testament intimacy, New Testament. And I took the New Testament from this book. And I bought this book. I think I bought this book in 1985. So I love this book. So anyway, J. Oswald Sanders has another book called Spiritual Leadership. I think it's copyright 1961 or two. And he said this, and I, once I heard it, I thought, you know, that's exactly right. Variety is as restful to the mind as to the body. How many like, uh, how many like steak? A nice porterhouse T-bone. You get what I'm talking about? That bone gives it some flavor, don't it? What if you had that for breakfast? And then what if you had that for lunch? And then what if you had that for dinner? And what if you had it every day? Every day. Three times a day. Would you get tired of steak? Welcome to what we do to our minds spiritually. Variety is as restful to the mind as to the body. I love varieties of food, but I don't want to eat the same thing every day. In the same way with your mind. Your mind becomes disengaged when it gets bored. And your mind gets bored very easily. Now, one of the reasons I minister the way I do is because it's a gift God gave me. But the other thing behind the gift is, if I talk like this right here, you're going to be talking, thinking about six things before I complete my sentence. But if I start talking like this, you got to pay attention to me. <laughs> right? There is a rhyme and reason. So again, variety helps your mind. All right? So that's the reason for a variety in reading the Bible. And then my advocacy is reading books by spirit-anointed authors is really important for spiritual growth. Why? Because God placed the ministry offices in the body of Christ, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Weiss translation from my Bible readings says this, pastors who are also teachers. So in my view, any pastor should teach the word. If he's going to train his flock and disciple them, he needs to be a teacher, right? So again, uh, so books that are written by spirit-anointed authors, 
You don't go read Shakespeare or some other piece of literature or, or you, know, um, you know, a fiction book. No, read, read good uh, substantive books, and I've always sought to do that. Here's a book that I bought in 1977, and it's called Ever-Increasing Faith. This one, I was telling, uh, I was telling Sean, it, this copyright on this is 1924. I quote this book a lot. This is one of the first books I read, and I found it in a bookstore in my church there, Ever-Increasing Faith, Miss Smith Wigglesworth. It's really the, a lot of Smith Wigglesworth books around now because he's really popular, and you can make a lot of book sales with him. But he, he actually, a stenographer, wrote, the, wrote that, wrote uh, as in shorthand as he as he spoke, and this is I think the only one that actually came from him himself. So I love this book, and I started back reading it yesterday. I thought this is really good. I'm gonna go back and read that thing again. So anyway, variety include include variety in your book reading. Read books by spirit anointed authors. So I've always done this. Read your Bible, but always take some time to read a book. And I want to talk to you about how to do that. So let me read this paragraph. Read from authors that are word-based and centered, word-centered, that adhere to a spirit-filled belief system and that promote a grace through faith, not works, approach to God and spiritual things. You know, books can be full of poison just like food can be. Uh, full of poison, right? You got to be aware of that. So when I was young in the Lord, I only read books that I understood what the author's uh, ideology was spiritually. Because you can be a works-based believer, you can be a denominational believer, or you can be a word-based believer. How many know the difference? And, you know, I went to my first Bible college in 1977, and I understood the difference. So when I read books that were not the books that I had to read for my college stuff, man, I was reading stuff that fed my inner man, that fed my spiritual nature. And I was looking for the spiritual content. And so what I didn't do was read books when I was early and young in the Lord. I did not read books by authors that would say things that I knew were denominational or would take the power of God out of the Christian life or Christian experience and would negate the baptism with the Holy Spirit, the healing power of God, God's answers to prayer, yada, yada, yada. And there are those that do that. And on the other hand, there are books that have some really, really great, thoroughly researched uh, understandings of the original language of Scripture and such. And uh, I did those in Bible school, uh, college, but uh, again, for my personal life, I chose not to do that because I wanted to imbib inside of me something that would help me grow and develop spiritually. And I didn't want to have to fight mental battles. Well, I don't believe that. He shouldn't have said it that way, and that's wrong. And I didn't want to have to, you know, Brother Hagin used to say this, have as much sense as a cow. When you put a bale of hay out in the field for the cows to eat and you cut the string, uh, and throw it out there, there's always sticks in the hay. And he would say, have as much sense as an old cow. Eat the hay and leave the sticks. And he would say, if you've been in the country and see how cows eat hay, once they finish the bale of hay, there's sticks on the ground. They wouldn't eat sticks. And so I didn't want to have to mess with separating the hay from the sticks and reading books. Does that make sense? So I read books that I knew the author. I knew it was good. I knew it was sound. I knew it was right because I'm a new believer. I'm young. And so I imbibed those books first. And then, you know, it was only many years later, and I'd been to several Bible schools and all that, that I really could dissect a book that had, 
you know, things that I know I would disagree with him doctrinally. I can read those things now, and they don't bother me one iota. And iota is one of the smallest things in the, in the Greek language. It doesn't bother me at all. But back then, it would have bothered me, and I'd have thought about it for, you know, an hour or two hours. But it doesn't bother me now because I have a, a basis of Scripture on the inside that has that is a good rule in God. Does that make sense? So be careful in the initial years of your spiritual life and the kinds of books you allow yourself to read. There's some books that I wish I had never read because they were full of doubt pessimism and unbelief and my mind would constantly go back to what that author said and I and, and you know my inner man said you know that's not right that's slanted that's slanted the wrong way but because I read it I had to mentally challenge it until I conquered the thought how many understand well why do that why read things that are going to do that to you so I stopped reading a lot of those things so um, uh, another thing is read several books at a time I'll come back to how to do this I always read several several books at a time um, let's see. Um, rotate the books you read. So right now I'm reading, uh, I'm reading seven books right now. I can show you. I'm reading, I know that's seven books. Well, yeah. Variety is as restful to the mind as the body, right? I don't read the same book every day. So here are the books I'm reading right now. Here is, here are the, now look at this. This is my, this is Kindle on my iPad. Look at all these books. Isn't that nuts? I got all these books on my iPad. And uh, some, of these, some of these have five or six books behind that one thing because they're series. Uh, so right now I'm reading um, uh, William Barclay, The Gospel of John. I almost threw this wonderful book. Uh, Sparkling Gems from the Greek New Testament by Rick Renner. It's that blue one right there. Uh, John Maxwell, The Maxwell Daily Reader. He's just got one page. I just love to read it because it makes me think about things. Uh, Timothy Keller, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life, which is on the book of Proverbs. It's an awesome book full of practical tidbits. Uh, what else am I reading? I'm also reading God's Plan for Man by Finnish Jennings Date, copyright 1949. I got that book in, in, in 1977. I'm also reading, this is the only anointed um, theology book I've ever read. It's called Foundations of Pentecostal Theology. That is one stinking awesome book. I'm starting again to read The Triumphant Church by Kenneth Hagin. And I've got this really strange book by Chuck Missler. I'm reading Alien Encounters. Now, this one's really interesting. And I want to talk to you about this at some point because demon spirits are getting involved in human life again. And he's talking about that. So anyway, I could go on and on and on. But that's the books right now. And so how do I do that? Well, I read my Bible, Old Testament, Psalm or Proverb, New Testament, okay? Then you put your marker and uh, put your marker in it and go your way. And then, you know, take notes, underline, yellow, highlight, whatever. And, uh, and then I set that aside. And then here's what I've done all my life. I, I read books. And when I read a book in the early years, in the 80s, I would read the book. I would highlight in yellow, whatever, red, blue, whatever chartreuse, whatever. And, uh, and, then, and then I had, and then I would keep a piece of paper beside me. Everybody okay? I'm going longer than I really wanted to. So, so my, here you go. So I put a piece of paper beside me. This is, these are small books. I got seven of these books in 1984. And this is before the internet. And then I got these little pieces of paper. 
And I kept these, this paper with me, and I'm left-handed, so I would put my book here to read, and then with my left hand, when I saw something I liked, I'd write it down. And I would write down the page number, the name of the book, the page number, and then the quote that I wanted to remember from that particular book. So here's Help My Kids Are Raising Me by Daryl Droop Tennis, page 19. Um, and I've got all that stuff, and I don't have time to tell you what it is. But my secretary at the time actually typed these notes out for me. But I wrote them uh, originally in shorthand. So anyway, that's what you do. So when you read a book, don't just read it. Highlight it, underline it, earmark it. If it's a hard copy book, some people still like hard copy books. Is this okay? Is this boring? Okay, good. So... Uh, but then also have a way to retrieve the information. If you're ever going to teach a Bible study or just for your own personal life, you might not even remember what you read. So find a way to retrieve it. I found 45 subjects of interest when I started all this stuff right here. 45 subjects of interest. Let's see if I had them. Let me see if I can find them. Uh, let's see. I may not have time to go there. It's not on this list recent. Here we are. I know I opened it. Category, there it is. Uh, so here are the subjects of interest. I started with prayer, faith, gifts of the Spirit, healing, confession, spiritual development, the Holy Spirit, redemption, Satan, demons, occult, grace, guidance, death, death, spiritual hunger, passion, first love, the local church, spiritual leadership, fruitful ministry, personal ministry, the love of God, holiness, sanctification, spirit, soul, body, mind, renewal, intimacy with God, end time events, marriage, divorce, remarriage, child training, prosperity, blood covenant, authority of the believer, praise and worship, the name of Jesus, the word of God, temptations, tests, trials, relationships, resurrection, rest, obedience, government, Government, God, nations, faithfulness, Christian living, devotional life, evangelism, sexuality, miscellaneous fasting, and eternal security. <laughs> and I put them in this book. And I put little markers in. And I put dividers in. And I put little, thing, little, little subdividers in and named them all of those. And so when I'm reading, I get one piece of paper out. I put the name of the book, the author of the book, the page number. And I wrote out by hand... Uh, what, what I wanted to remember, and I categorized them in seven of these little books. That's how I started out. I didn't do that because I was a pastor. I wasn't a pastor. I was just a child of God hungry for Jesus and didn't want to forget what I was going to read. Does that make sense? So I started that in 1984. Then when the internet revolution came and everything, you know, was put in the cloud, well, then I had to change my tune. So I still have these books. And then I still have all of that, but I begin to transfer all of that printed matter, things I wrote out into digital form. And now I have them in what, of course, we call the cloud. And now I access them anywhere at all times. If I'm in Africa, India, wherever, Central America, here, at a park, you know, as long as I can get on the Internet, I can find any note that I've ever taken from a book. Now, that's so easy and good. If you want to remember something, that's, that's what you want to do. So I've been doing that for a long, long time. Does that make sense? Uh, all I'm saying is you've got to have a retrieval system for the information that God leads you across. Why read something and forget it? And so in the early years, I would read a book. I would leave it out if I'm reading that or, and, and two or three or four other books. I'm leaving that. I'd read one book one day, then another book the next day. And when I'm reading the book, I would read maybe a half of a chapter 
You know, if it's a really long chapter, if it's a really, really long chapter, a quarter of a chapter, because you know, I got to see how much time you got. I read that and then put that, put a marker in the book and I've made my notations and made my notes. And sometimes in one book, I'll get notes on prayer, notes on faith, notes on end times, notes on devotional time. And, and I do a separate page paper for each one. Does that make sense? And you can come and look at this if you want to, but that's how I did it. And uh, I basically do, and I do it uh, just recently. I actually just recently changed me. I'm always changing and trying to figure out what's best, right? So I'm just trying to say, if you'll spend time with the Lord in the mornings, have a goal, have an incentive, Old Testament, Psalm, Proverbs, New Testament, all right? And then read a book, don't read the same book every day. You'll get tired of it. Most people start a book and never finish it. Don't raise your hand if you've done that. Everybody would raise your hand. Why do you do that? You get to your mind gets tired. And it's really hard to find an author that is so good that you read his whole book. He might have one or two really juicy chapters and the rest are like, well, that's all right, but it ain't like that first one or that third one, right? So, you know, some books are worth one chapter. And there's some books, chapters I've read hundreds of times, maybe over 40 years, a thousand times. I'm not kidding, because they're so good. So again, read to retrieve. So, so again, uh, however you do that, if you highlight, go back and read the highlights. Go back and read them. Take some time uh, every week to go back and read over the highlighted things that the Lord pointed out to you when you're reading a book. The second thing, again, variety is as restful to the mind as, as, uh, as to the body. So make sure that uh, you don't read the same book every day. So I try to do, does that make sense? The uh, next thing I want to do, and I'm, I see the time, and it's never on my side. So um, let me talk about... I want to talk about something that I've re I started back in 2015, and I'm trying to get back to my notes, which are right here. There we go. Um, so I think I'll just end the time talking about this. So this is my iPad. This is the third iPad. iPads came out in 2009 or 10. This is my third one. The first one, I lost it. I laid it on the back of my truck, and it's in a field somewhere. I never found it. Second one, uh, I, Susan has it. This is my third one. The church never buys my iPads. I buy my own. And I put a lot of gigabytes on them because I, uh, in them because I, I'm going to use them a long time. So I found, let me just tell you what I do now since it's the digital age. How many like to save time? How many like to do a lot in a little bit of time? And how many like a way to retrieve things rapidly? So if you're ministering to somebody, you're talking to somebody, you're having a phone conversation with somebody, and you want to remember something, you want to find a way to have that at your fingertips. So I've got my little iPhone, and I've got my little iPad, and I have my MacBook Pro in my office, and I can access all this stuff from all three. So here's what I've been doing um, in 2000, uh, oh, by, my goodness, back maybe 2004, 3, 4, 5, I started using the PC Study Bible. And it was a big gangly program. Uh, then I changed to, uh, anyway, different kind of computer system. 2015, I started using a program called I Olive Tree. Olive Tree Bible Apps. Have you got that on the, there you go, yeah. So I started using a program called Bible Tree. And uh, boy, it is it's singing my tune. I really enjoy it. The thing I like about it, if you can show some of this on the screen, it's got two uh, 
It's got a split screen on it. There you go. I took a picture of that earlier. Uh, it's got a split screen on it, and you have the text of the Bible on one side, and then all of your study aids on the other side. So if you have a study Bible, here is a study Bible. Dake's Annotated Reference Bible is one of my many study Bibles. Well, it can be the notes from this Bible can be on one side, the right side, and on the left side, you've got the text of Scripture. And so it just, once you start, there's John. John chapter 10, you know, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, Jesus said. And you look right over here, and here's all the notes, the study notes uh, to that, and it's really, really a great thing. The thing I like about the Olive Tree Bible app, the app is free, and the uh, older translations of Scripture are free, uh, but to buy the newer translations will cost you something. So, on my iPad, I have what I have on my shelf in my office and actually even more. So listen to all the Bible translations available on this. For instance, here's a New English translation of the Septuagint called uh, N-E-T-S for short, NETS, New English translation. And the Septuagint was the Bible put in the Greek language by uh, 72 uh, Hebrew scholars. American Standard Version, Amplified Bible, ba Bible in Basic English, Complete Jewish Bible, Complete Word Study Bible, Contemporary English Bible, English Standard Version, God's Word Translation, Holman Translation, J.B. Phillips Translation, New Testament, KJV, King James Version, Life Application, NLT, Modern English Version, put out by Charisma about six, seven years ago, um, a New Century Version, New International Version, New King James Version, uh, let's see, Orthodox Study Bible Version, Let's see, the message paraphrase, Passion, Weymouth, World English Bible, Weiss Translation, Young's Literal. Huh, all right there. Isn't that something? And at the drop, I have drop down list, and any translation I want to read after, click. So if I'm reading a scripture, I say, man, that's really God speaking to me about that today. I can go to various translations to see what it says. See how interesting that makes it? It's more than just saying, well, I got to read my Bible today. I read King James Version. Well, it's fine to read the King James Version. But at some point, you've got to keep your mind engaged. Did that make sense? Then the other side of this, so you've got, this is cool. It has drop-down lists where you can go to any book of the Bible. It has drop-down lists where you can find any translation of the Bible. And then on the right side where you have your study, I've got a plethora of study Bibles. So for instance, just listen. Uh, here are the, let me go over here to the study Bibles. Here are the study Bibles that I personally have on this. The New Schofield Study Bible, New Living uh, Spirit-Filled Life Bible, uh, New International Version Cultural Background Study Bible, which is awesome. Ancient Modern uh, Bible, get quotes from early church fathers from yesteryear, uh, New King James Study Bible, Orthodox Study Bible, Reformation Study Bible, let's see, Jewish Study Bible, Thompson Chain Reference Bible, uh, Wesley Study Bible, I missed half of them, Holman Christian Standard Bible, Harper Cullen Study Bible, Fire uh, Bible Study, Evidence Bible, uh, EVS Global Study Bible, 
church history study Bible, dates, annotated reference Bible. See all those? So there's lots of study Bible. Why do you need a study Bible? You need a study Bible because you don't live in the Middle East. You don't understand a culture from three or 4,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago. You don't understand why they use the ter- terminology they use. You don't understand why they did what they did. And the study Bible will explain all of that, give you historical context, give you the context of the culture, and just fill in a lot of the blanks with the names that you read about and the things that are, it just helps you put context. In the Western world, if you're reading an Eastern book, uh, you're going to be really challenged to understand it. Does that make sense? So uh, that's why it's really important to have something like a study Bible and something uh, like that uh, Olive Tree Bible Apps tool is so amazing. And let me, while I'm about to close, let me also mention, we actually, did you call them Isaiah? What? He emailed uh, Olive Tree today, and these people are so cool. They gave 10% off if you want to do anything with Olive Tree. So there it is on the screen. If, can you put that? Uh, oh, there it is. See the code? Use the code SWEET24, capital A, capital L, uh, 10% off of anything. So you go to your... Um, uh, go to your app store, whatever kind of phone you've got, and download the Bible Tree app. It's free, and then there are free translations. Uh, you have to pay for the study Bibles and some of the more modern translations. And, you know, they're going to be anywhere from the translations, anywhere from 9 to $20, $30, truthfully. Um, and then study Bibles will be anywhere from $20 to 40 to $50. And I have a bunch of them. But over the years, I started this in 2015. So I'm just showing you what I do. That's how I do. The other really cool thing that I just recently started doing. So I'm going to close with this. So I started retrieving notes by writing them down. And then I started putting them in the cloud. I use, uh, I use Google Docs and Google Cloud and all that. And I've got all those different di- differentiations of subjects. I did that up until... Uh, several months ago, and then I started doing this with my olive. I don't know why I didn't before, but with my olive tree, I actually attach notes to the verses of the Bible. So I'm reading my books, or I'm reading Rick Renner. He's really good with the Greek language, or I'm reading William Barclay, or I'm reading something from the Old Testament. It really sticks out at me, and it's about a verse of Scripture. I attach a note to it on my Bible. So let me show you. Can I show you? And I'll close with it. Here's what I did Sunday morning. Y'all remember Sunday morning? Did I talk about sheep and shepherds? You know where I got that? Right here. So uh, John 10, verse 1. And and right by here, if you can put that screen up and show them the drop down of the notes. Yeah, if you can put the the, uh, picture I had of my olive tree screen. There you go. Now, find the one that has a drop. There you go. See that? Now, that right there. See, I copy-pasted from uh, William Barclay's book, on the book of John. Now, this is what you heard me say Sunday, but I said it in my way. There is no better loved picture of Jesus than the good shepherd. See, I got the drop down right there. 
And that's right from my Bible study, my personal devotional time. The picture of the shepherd is woven into the language and imagery of the Bible. It could not be otherwise. The main part of, of Judea was a central plateau stretching from Bethel to Hebron for a distance of about 35 miles and varying from 14 to 17 miles across. The ground, for the most part, was rough and stony. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. It talks about the shepherd and his relationship to the sheep. And it so touched me when I read it one morning after I had read Old Testament, Psalm, Proverb, New Testament. I was reading that and I said, man, that is so stinking good. I can't forget it. So I copy pasted it and I put it in my note. And now every single time I read John chapter 10, I'm going to click on that note and I'm going to say, mm, 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 that's mighty fine. Do you see what I'm saying? Now, let me tell you what that does. Um, I don't, I don't know how to tell you. It makes your heart just kind of flutter. It's like, God, this is so good. And you don't forget the things you read. And it keeps you excited about the things of God because you're not reading to save your conscience. You're read, reading to fill your heart with content. Does that make sense? And when you fill your heart with the content of the word, it'll change your life. So see, for me as a pastor, I could preach to you from my head, but I just, I just told you my game. This is my game right here. You know how I do what I do? I fill myself up with the Word of God in the mornings. And just like a mother that's feeding her baby from the apparatus God gave her, <laughs> she's got to eat, right? And she gets not hungry, she gets hungry because she's feeding the baby. And that baby's eating a lot. And the bigger that baby gets, the more she got to feed that boy or girl. And it's the same way with a, a person ministering life through the Word. I'm filling myself full of the Word. I'm ingesting the Word. And see, I just simply, you know, give out what God gave me in my personal time. Uh, back years ago, and I'll stop with this, and I went way longer than I meant to, but I'm glad I did. Uh, <laughs> back in 1983, Susan was working, this was 82, Three, two, three. Susan was working first shift. I worked second shift at his church. And I had this great big desk my dad gave me from DuPont. And man, it had leaves that would come out over here. So I got books over here. I got a book over here. I got a book up here. I got a book over here on the leaf that came out. Got another one over here. Man, I'm like a, I'm like a guy on a flight console. I'm ready. So I'm reading my Bible. I got my Hebrew, got my Greek, got my lexicon, got my commentary over here. Got three more translations. Man, I'm going after it. And about several days into it, I said, God, something's wrong with me. I feel awful. I'm all in your word. Susan's at work. I go to work at 3 o'clock. She goes to work at 7. And, and, and here I got all morning with you. I'm dry as a bone. I'm dry as a, a, the driest bone in a desert. What's wrong with me? And I couldn't figure. I said, I'm in your word. You ought to be happy. I'm in your word. And, you know, he spoke to me so clearly. He said, Mitch, Mitch. Don't come after, don't go after me with your head. Go after me with your heart. Don't study to fill your head full of stuff. Study to fill your heart with stuff. Then he gave me the verse, is it 1 Corinthians 8, 1? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And he said, don't study to know about me. Study to know me. And y'all, I wept, I broke down, and it changed my world. And it brought me to all this. So I just can't encourage you enough. Spend time with God. 
Develop your devotional life. You may not even want to read your Bible. You can get to the point that you create your own appetite for it. God can't do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. You know, if you like ice cream, you created that appetite. If you like Bojangles, you created that appetite, right? If you like apples, you created that appetite. So if you like the Word, you've got to create an appetite for it. And you do that by redundancy. You do that with goals. Does that make sense? So, Father, just close your eyes a minute. Lord, you love us very, very deeply and very, very intimately. And the potential is here tonight. There could be some heart changes that put an impetus in us to change the things that need to change for us to spend some really quality time with you. And, Lord, I just pray for me. Lord, take me from where I am to another place with you. There's deeper, there, there's further to go. I don't want to say deeper. There's further to go with you. And there's more I can yield myself. And um, so show me. And Lord, for all of us, create in us a desire to start to want to go there with our time with you. And Lord, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, whether they're in the room here or they're watching online that there would be an impetus created in each person that gives them a desire to read, to read the Word of God, to read books by Spirit-anointed authors, and to, and to create, um, and to create a, a, a vision and a drive for that, goal for it, in Jesus' name. Lord, take us where we are. Some of us, we may start with five minutes, ten minutes. Others of us are well-developed into that. But Lord, help us to read and retrieve what we read and minister life to us in Jesus' name.